In your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13, we are going to continue in Hebrews this morning as we work our way through the last chapter of this uh, rich book. Tell you what, I don't know about you, but uh, gathering with the people of God and worshiping through, uh, through praise to Him is just such an enriching, uh, probably one of the richest, in, how do I say that? One of the greatest aspects of my week, I'll put it that way. And so um, it's good to be with the people of God this morning. Well, this morning in Hebrews chapter 13, we are continuing these first few verses. If you were not here with us last week, uh, by way of a 30-second recap, we began talking about brotherly love. As the writer says there in verse 1, let brotherly love continue. And so we said that this idea of brotherly love is the foundation for these first six verses as it talks about love in different, uh, different capacities. And we talk about brotherly love, loving the brotherhood, loving believers, um, some, uh, committing our lives to each other. And looked at that last week and this week as we'll continue in verse 2 and 3 uh, in these uh, couple different uh, aspects in which we show love through hospitality uh, and remembering um, uh, those in a couple different places of life. And then, of course, next week we'll turn our attention uh, to marriage and then we'll uh, look at keeping our life free from the love of money. And so love is, is this theme that not just runs these first six verses, but brotherly love ultimately runs this last chapter. And so as the writer of Hebrews 13 turns to a very practical nature uh, in Hebrews, as we'll see this morning, it still uh, is connected uh, very much so to the rest of Hebrews. Uh, and so this is not a disconnected chapter, but he just he does kind of shift his attention uh, to uh, to living a life that is worshipful, to living out a life that worships the Lord in all that we do. And we know that ultimately worship is that. It's not just singing with the people of God on Sunday morning. It's not just gathering to come to church or Sunday morning Bible uh, study or any of this stuff. But it is, uh, it, is, it, is, it is living a life unto the Lord. And everything we do, Paul says in Corinthians, whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And so that is ultimately worship. And so how do we worship? How do we live for the glory of God? I love chapters like this uh, in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, to, to help us to see how do we live uh, in light of who Christ is and how do we live uh, and the gospel come to bear in our life. And so that's where we are in Hebrews chapter 13. Let's just read these first few, uh, few verses again. It says, Let brotherly love continue in verse 1. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. Let's pray again. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this text that we come to. And as we do so, Lord, we ask that we not come to it academically, but Lord, we come to it with a, uh, a submissive heart, Lord, to submit to your word and to your will. Help us to, to see Christ in this text and help us to have a, an overwhelming desire to align ourselves uh, to Jesus and to abide in him. Thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. In the name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. So as we're going to see a couple, a couple kind of key um, Key verbs here, if you will, a couple key commands. This first one found in verse 2 is do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. So if you want to, if you're writing points down this morning, there's really two simple points. The first one is this, is to show hospitality to strangers. Show hospitality to strangers. Now, 
if you're in the South, which most of us are from the South, um, you say, hey, I've got this. I'm good to go. I was raised right by Southern Belle, and I know Southern hospitality. But I don't believe, as you'll see this morning, that this idea of hospitality in Hebrews uh, 13.2 is the same hospitality necessarily that we think of hospitality, uh, especially in our good old southern culture and this southern hospitality one of the few good things we're known for here in the deep south right is taking care of one another uh but this is uh, the writer of hebrews here has something a little different in mind when he says do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers uh the word here for hospitality it means this it means care for strangers or you can even say a little more specifically love for strangers so do not neglect to show care towards strangers. Do not neglect to, sh- to, uh, to show love to strangers. It is in essence is what the writer is saying here. And now it kind of gets lost on us, uh, this play on words that actually is written in the Greek. And as you know, I'm by no means a Greek scholar, but I can Google things and write things down. That's in essence what I've done here. And so as we said last week, this idea of brotherly love that we're fairly familiar with is Philadelphia. Um, which means brotherly love. But this word for, uh, for hospitality is the word, and forgive me, is philozenia, uh, so, which means a love for strangers. And so the way he actually writes these two verses, I don't want to miss this because it's interesting. It kind of puts them in parallel. If you remember last week, we said that verse 1 is actually two words, and the word order was Philadelphia, and I forget the word, it was like Mino or Mino or something like that, but basically show love to brothers continually. And then in verse 2 here, actually the first word of the verse is this philoxenia, love for strangers. And so these first two verses, or these first two sentences, as the original writer would have had it, would be love, uh, continually love the brothers, and also don't forget to love strangers. And so what is, what is he trying to say here, as he, especially as he puts these words uh, in kind of the same word order to say this is important, the love of brothers and the love of strangers. And so to continue to show love to these brothers and do not neglect to show the love towards the strangers. And we said last week in verse 1, it's interesting in the way that I would, way that I understand verse 1, is they're doing this fairly well. As the early church, this church that the letter of Hebrews is originally written to, they're doing it well, right? That's kind of the, one of the easier aspects of living the Christian life is to love the brothers. It's easy to look at our congregation and love one another, at least most of you. I'm just kidding. All of it. Easy to love, right? And we love to spend time together and do life with one another and, and, and do all these things. It's easy to love one another. And so the writer says, continue that. Don't neglect that. Continue it. Continue pouring out yourself. Continue doing life with one another. But then in verse 2, he kind of changes his tone. It wasn't continue to love the strangers. He says, do not neglect it. Don't neglect this act, as we'll see, that is very gospel-centered at its heart is to show hospitality to strangers, to love strangers, to care for strangers. So what kind of hospitality does he have in mind here? And in essence, with a, the, to put it simply, is to 
primarily to invite people into their home for a short time. And very specifically in what we call the ancient Near East, this ancient world of uh, both Hebrew and the, the, the Greek ruled world, um, was this idea that as people traveled, and of course they traveled differently than we travel now, uh, but as they traveled and they needed somewhere to stay, your, your options were fairly limited. Airbnb was not out yet and all the different things we have not out. The hotel system we have was not there in place, but there were inns. There were these rudiment, rudimentary hotels, but they were not the Holiday Inn Express. They were not these safe places that we know as hotels today. And so as travelers in the ancient uh, Near East world would travel, and as they would come upon these inns, these inns were known for two primary things. One, that they, were, they would get price gouging. They were extremely expensive. They would take advantage of your money because they knew you needed a place to stay to stay out of the elements and to, to be safe and have shelter. And so they would, they, they would charge you an uh, incredible amount of money. But more than that, the innkeepers were known as immoral people. If you look at a lot of Greek, uh, Greek writers and, and ancient Jewish writers, you'll see kind of the same thought that innkeepers were uh, in the same league as brothel owners. And so it was not a good place. It was not somewhere that you'd go to an inn and say, I want to stay here for the next week or so. I want to unpack my camel and stay here for a while. So people who were traveling, uh, they did not necessarily look forward to staying in the inns. And so this idea here, do not neglect to show care, to show love, uh, to hospitality to strangers, is a call to open their homes and to open their hearts to those who are outside of their congregation to open their homes and open their hearts and to show hospitality towards strangers. And we see very clear words in this text uh, in verses 1 through 3 when it talks about brotherly love. We know what kind of love that is. It is love to the brothers and sisters in Christ. It is love to the family of God, to the people of their congregation. Uh, it's it's love to all of the children of God. But now he turns his attention to strangers. He's going to come back in just a moment and bring us back into the family of God. But verse 2 here is this picture of showing love, showing hospitality, showing care to those who are not in the family of God. Now these strangers are these who are coming from, uh, from wherever uh, walk of life. So he's inviting people to stay with them for a short time. Thus this call of hospitality was to open their home and to open their heart. But this could be dangerous, Right? And they didn't know these folks. They were strangers. And what do we know as strangers from growing up? Stranger danger. <laughs> so you don't let these folks into your home. But this is a command in Scripture. In Hebrews 13 here is this command to the church. Do not neglect to show hospitality to these people that you do not know. Be willing to open your home. Be willing to open your heart. Be willing to care for and love these that are far from you. And so... Uh, this can be a dangerous thing, but here's the thing we often forget. The gospel was never intended to be safe. And I think we sometimes forget that. We sometimes forget in our, in our comfortable Western uh, American lifestyle that, that we're, we're so consumed with safety. There's never a call in the gospels for living a life of Christ to be a safe journey. That's never a promise of the Lord. And we see, we'll see something quite opposite this morning as we continue in verse 3. So 
uh, here are three clear reasons why uh, extending this hospitality was an act of the gospel. It helps us to understand the gospel, that, that it is a gospel-centered act to show hospitality to strangers for these early century Christians. Number one is, you don't know who you're ministering to. And, and the writer here gives us a very clear example. And, and every uh, commentator, every theologian that I've read will point to the same thing. As it says here in verse 2, do not, neglect to, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So it says, don't neglect showing hospitality because you don't know who you're entertaining. You don't know who you're showing hospitality towards. You don't know who that person is. It may seem like a person that seems normal and seems like, okay, this is, um, I can't even think of a made up uh, ancient Near East name. It's maybe Yosef, whatever. This is, but this could be an angel, it says. You say, well, that is, that is silly. Well, it's not silly because it's in Scripture. What he points here is back to Genesis. If you remember in Genesis, this is a very familiar passage. Whenever Abraham and Sarah are in their tent, and they have these three strangers roll up into their tent, and it is who? It is God himself and two angels. And they didn't know that. And so you never know who, uh, who that you are ministering to. You do not know who you're ministering to. And so one of the, the reasons this is a gospel-centered um, uh, call to hospitality is because ultimately we're not ministering uh, to a particular group of people. We're showing love and compassion to all of those that God would bring to our life. But number two, you are ministering as unto the Lord. Go with me to Matthew chapter 25. I'll let Jesus expound on this a little bit for us. Matthew chapter 25. In verse 35, a few verses here. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, as we'll see in a moment, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit with you? So Jesus is, is saying, hey, you've done this, this wonderful act of hospitality towards me. And they're like, you know, if they were most of us, oh, you're right, we did that. But they're a little more honest. They said, what do you mean? We don't remember doing this. And this is the king says in verse 40, and the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. You did it unto me. And so one of the reasons that this is a gospel issue is that we are ministering as unto the Lord. We are ministering as unto the Lord. We're not serving mankind under the goodness of our hearts. We're not serving those around us because the inerrant good in us. We're not serving mankind even ultimately for the good of the person. That we are serving mankind. We are being hospitable because we are doing so unto the Lord. We see this clearly in Ephesians of how husbands are to love their wives. You don't love your wife because really she's even lovable. You love your wife because you love her as, the, as Christ loved the church. So we, we, do, we do unto others as we do unto the Lord. And so you don't know who you're ministering to. You're ministering as unto the Lord. And thirdly, as far as why is this a gospel issue, is we, you are demonstrating the kindness of God. Go with me to Romans. One simple 
verse, Romans chapter 2, verse 4, in the midst of a lot of weighty stuff here in Romans chapter 2. But in the middle of this is a verse that, that rattles in my brain um, very, very often. Or do you presume, it says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. And so what leads those to repentance? We know that ultimately that they respond in faith, and faith has come to the Lord. But, but what does God use? He uses His kindness. It is the kindness of God that leads sinners to repentance. It is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And so as we demonstrate hospitality, as we open our homes and open our hearts to strangers, we do so as an act of kindness. And so what is kindness? Kindness is ultimately the gospel issue. Why does God save? Why do people, how are people saved? Through the kindness of God. It's His kindness that leads to repentance. And what, what is one of the many ways that God uses to reach people? For people to respond in faith and repentance, he uses his kindness, but he does so through the kindness of his people. And so how many acts of true hospitality have caused people to ask, why are you doing this? Why do you care this way? Why do you care this much? And so we are demonstrating the kindness of God as we demonstrate hospitality. So what does this look like for us today? Fortunately, the deplorable system of the ancient hotel network is no longer, for the most part. I'm sure there are still some out there. Uh, we have abundance of great hotels and Airbnbs and all kinds of creative ways for people to stay. And so this is not so much a call for us to uh, open our homes uh, this week. And although unless God gives you that opportunity, then absolutely. So what, what is the, the application here for us? What is, how do we respond to a text like this? Oh, that's good for those in the first century. That's good for those who needed to open their homes for uh, the lost and the hurting and the strangers. But yeah, we have ample opportunities to serve those around us. As we look at those in our life and those that God brings into our life, we have ample opportunity to serve those around us. Whether it's as simple as uh, giving to the panhandler off the ramp, whether it's showing kindness to a lost co-worker or being an exceptional neighbor. There's all kinds of ways that we show kindness and love and we demonstrate the kindness and love of God to those around us. But I think this is essential as we think about hospitality, as we think about showing kindness to those around us and to strangers and to, to, to the lost around us especially. Three things we need to consider is that showing hospitality to strangers becomes gospel-centered. And everything we do should be gospel-centered. It's not just a hype word. It's not just a buzzword. We should live gospel-centered lives. And so showing hospitality to strangers becomes gospel-centered when we do so empowered by the Holy Spirit. Whenever we're not doing this in our own strength. Hey, look at me. I could offer this man a glass of water. Hey, look at me. I can do this. But whenever we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, recognizing that any good that we have to offer anyone comes from the Holy Spirit. Whenever we are moved by the example of Jesus, whenever you see that in Jesus' life, this is how he lived. He modeled this. And finally, whenever we are motivated by the kindness of God, showing hospitality to strangers becomes gospel-centered. Whenever we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, Whenever we are moved by the example of Jesus, whenever we are motivated by the kindness of the Father. 
That's when hospitality becomes gospel-centered. And we see it's more than just having people at your home for a nice, comfortable meal. But hospitality is opening not just our homes, but opening our very lives, looking for ways, looking for opportunities to show the kindness of God. So as we look at this text, we see, we see this clearly, this uh, call to show hospitality to strangers, where he says, do not neglect this. And the same call is for us today, is not to neglect, to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. But not only is there a call to, uh, to not neglect showing hospitality, but he continues in verse 3. He says, Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you were also in the body. And so he kind of changes gears here a little bit as he, as he focuses on those who are in prison and those who are persecuted who were in the church, who were in the body of Christ. And although thir- uh, Hebrews 13.3 here has probably been the, one of the top recruiting verses for prison ministry over the years, not to forget those who are in prison, we'll see maybe a slightly different understanding of it this morning. As it has this twofold call to remember those who are in prison and those who are persecuted. Just like in the, the ancient world, the, uh, is this thing like echo? Is that just me? Kind of. Is this microphone on? Maybe I don't know. What's sorry to be distracted. I'll just keep on pressing along. If I have to, I'll take it off and holler. Wouldn't be the first time. Sound good? I get it. <laughs> All right, Harold, you came in here. I love you, David. Um, so just as in the in the ancient Near East. Um, the, the inns were kind of a place of, uh, of ill reputation uh, and not a place that you'd want to find yourselves. The prison were not much different. And just like the inns were something we need a little more context in, the prisons were the same. Most of those who were in prison were there for two reasons. They were either waiting for a trial that would not take too long, or they were there to pay a serious debt. As we think about prison, especially here in the U.S., we have a huge incarceration problem. We can talk about that later for, different, uh, for a different subject. But this is not, when we talk about prison in the ancient world here, in the uh, turn of the century, turn of the millennium, if you will, it was a different prison system. So it wasn't this huge incarceration issue where you just had hundreds and thousands and thousands of people just sitting and wasting their lives in prison, that it was a more of a temporary uh, hold. They were there either to pay a serious debt or they were waiting for trial. And ultimately, if they could not resolve their debt, if they could not resolve their legal issue, if they were not uh, 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 sentenced by the government, they would be sold into slavery. So it is a different kind of problem. And what we, what we find in the prisons, especially in the New Testament here, that it was not uncommon for believers to find themselves in prison. We see this, of course, in Paul, who is the chief believer in prison. Not only has he spent a lot of time in prison, he writes a lot of his books, a lot of his letters in prison to the churches. And so prison is a very common thing for Paul's ministry. He did prison ministry, but from the inside, right? And, uh, and served well and faithfully. And so we see here that in verse 3, it says, remember those who are in prison. Now, how do we remember those in prison? Just with our thoughts and prayers, right? Just with uh, our kindness. and just uh, Let's just think about those in prison. We see it's a different way to remember those who are in prison. It says, remember them as though you were with them. And those who were mistreated. And we'll see in just a moment. 
And so to think about these from prison and to, to think about how we remember those, how we, we minister to those, to those who are brothers and sisters who are in prison, is not just thoughts and prayers, although prayer is essential. We'll talk about that in a moment. But how do we remember? How do we minister to those who are in prison? But it's not just those in prison. We also see this other group, those who are mistreated. It says, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. The Greek word here, the Greek word can also be translated tormented. And I believe in this context, it's a better understanding of what's happening. It's not just mistreated, because mistreated just sounds like I got bullied a little bit, right? You know, someone picked on me, someone pushed me into prison cell, someone you know, didn't feed me for a meal or two. But it's quite different to be tormented. Some would even say tortured. So let's connect this to Hebrews chapter 11, where it's very clear what the church is experiencing. Hebrews chapter 11 and 35, the, uh, starting in the second half of it, some believers, remember back in Hebrews chapter 11, it's talking about the saints and those who have faith. says some of the believers were tortured or tormented or mistreated, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and in caves of the earth. So as the writer comes back in Hebrews 13 here to, to highlight the, those who are mistreated, we see that he's, he's, he's referencing these and in Hebrews chapter 11 who are being persecuted. Those who are truly being persecuted for their faith. Those who are being chased after and sought after and punished and tortured and tormented. It says, remember these. Remember these who are in prison for their faith and remember these who are being tormented for their faith. Since you are of the same body. And what a way to remember them, not just to, to think about them, not just to recognize them, but to remember them, to minister to them, to serve them, to be there for them as one, as if you were there, it says. The command in verse 3 is a command to remember as though in prison with them. To remember as though being mistreated with them. So again, the writer he cuts off the temptation just to send them our thoughts and prayers. He says to, to empathize with them, to feel their isolation, to feel their separation, to look for ways to serve them in their captivity, to look for ways to serve them in their suffering. And now we see in Hebrews 11, we see in the persecuted church today, that those in the midst of it who are truly Christ, they would not say, rescue me from this necessarily. Because they gladly lay down the sword for the kingdom of Christ. And to be honest, this is an aspect of ministry that we at North Hills, that we need to prayerfully ask the Lord to give us an opportunity in. Now, careful how we pray that, right? Lord, give me an opportunity to join those who are persecuting, which, as we say often, would be one of the greatest things for the church uh, in America, would be to experience persecution in a different way. Because the church historically has always thrived in the midst of persecution. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it's good. Doesn't mean it's something that the person wants to go through. But God always uses it to strengthen the church. He uses it to sift 
the wheat from the weeds. And it may come to a point in our lifetime where there is a different level of persecution in our country. And I'm not saying that they're not those who do not experience persecution of different sorts in the U.S. But we definitely are not experiencing persecution, mistreatment, torment, torture, imprisonment like our brothers and sisters around the world. As of now, it's not very likely that any of us will be imprisoned or tormented for our faith. There are undoubtedly various forms of persecution happening in the U.S. today, but not like the early church faced and not like the church today around the world faces. Even today, even as we speak and gather this morning in our comfortable place of worship, there are those who do not have that. And so one, as the Lord brings his opportunities to minister to the perse- to persecuted church, let us show both compassion to our brothers and sisters and companionship to our brothers and sisters. Let us, as the writer of Hebrews here says, let us remember that we are with them and that we are of them. Let us, let, us, let us serve in a way as if we were there. And let us serve in a way recognizing that we are the same body. And I don't know how, what those opportunities look like. But I pray that in 2021, the Lord would give us an opportunity to serve with those that we see here in Hebrews 13. Who are imprisoned and who are persecuted. Until the Lord does give us such an opportunity, let us do this. Let us be faithful, committed, and consistent in praying for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. And that's, that is a commitment that I need, a renewed commitment that I need this year in 2021. And so as we look at resolutions, as James mentioned earlier, as we think about goals and beginning of the year and, you know, Jan- the January, beginning of January is always a time to to assess yourself and to reflect and think, hey, what are some things I need to be renewed in? And one of the things we should be renewed in is in praying for our brothers and sisters across the world who are laying down their lives for the gospel. Praying that God would use them in an incredible way. Pray that the gospel will go forth through persecution. That the gospel will go forth in prison. So let us remember those as though we were with them and let us remember those as we are of them in the same body of Christ. And so this text this morning, we have these two commands. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. And remember, do not forget those who are in prison and those who are being persecuted. And we see clearly that this is the heart of the gospel as God has come down from heaven, has become one of us, has dwelt among us, was persecuted, was neglected for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for a chance to turn to your word. I thank you for this reminder, Lord, that is heavy. This reminder that as the body of Christ, that there are so many who are... Um, spread throughout this world who do not um, experience the faith and the life that we do here in the U.S. That they are gladly laying down their lives, gladly going to prison, gladly suffering for the gospel. May we yearn for that kind of zeal for you in our own hearts and lives.
And Lord, maybe we become uncomfortable this week as we look for opportunities to, to show hospitality to strangers, to show the kindness of you to those around us. Empower us by the Holy Spirit. Motivate us by the, gospel, by, the, by the example of Christ and move us by your kindness. Lord, as we come to your communion table this morning, Lord, as we continue to sing, Father, as we do all the things that we do here at North Hills this morning, I pray that it would be to exalt the great name of Christ. Help us to receive your word this morning and to go forth from this place and empowered by the Holy Spirit to live it out. In the name of Christ we do pray. Amen.